Remember chips? And I don't mean Doritos, though who doesn't love Doritos? Especially the ones that come in the purple bag. I don't even know what the name is. You just see the purple bag and you think these are terrific. But I digress. I don't mean corn chips. I mean, of course, semiconductors. There was a time not really that long ago when semiconductors, semiconductor chips, were blamed for pretty much every ill in society. Now, I might be a little bit hyperbolic there, but for, in terms of the supply shock, the, the uh, piling up of unfinished automobiles and trucks at lots and manufacturers couldn't get enough uh, DRAM, I mean, all that kind of stuff. Nothing was more emblematic of the supply shock than semiconductor chips. The shortages, it was blamed for everything. Prices skyrocketed because nobody could get them. But you don't hear much about them these days for some pretty obvious reasons because they're no longer that much of a problem. In fact, they've become the opposite problem. And here's a headline from a quote, uh, a quoted a headline from an article in a trade magazine just a couple days ago. Supply side inventory proves difficult to dump as demand weakens rapidly. Memory manufacturers initiate rare production reduction, says Trendforce. So semiconductors, which used to be the bane of our supply existence, the inflation of all the inflation, suddenly there's so much of them that they can't keep, they, they're producing way too many, they can't get rid of them fast enough and prices are plummeting. Maybe it was transitory after all, but why did we start to believe otherwise? Now, I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University, and this is the point in the video where I have to remind you if you're watching this on Emil Kalinowski's YouTube channel, you're gonna to wanna to go over to the Eurodollar University YouTube channel because after a little bit longer, that's where all of these videos are going to end up. If you're listening to me on a podcast outlet like uh, Apple, uh, iTunes, whatever it's called, Spotify, you can you don't have to do anything. The uh, these uh, videos, podcasts will remain right where they are. So semiconductors manufacturers suddenly there's way way too many chips. So we went from one extreme where there was there was so few there was, the supply shortage was so bad it was causing headaches all over the manufacturing sector from automobiles to smartphones and PCs and not just you know electronic equipment but even appliance makers couldn't get enough semiconductors. Now here let's get into the, let's go into the article a little bit further. More manufacturers limiting bit output cannot be ruled out as only large-scale production reduction can reverse supply demand imbalance in 2023. After analyzing 2023 supply and demand in the memory market, due to a conservative demand outlook, DRAM and NAND flash look to be greatly oversupplied in each quarter and inventory pressure will continue to accelerate in the first half of next year. That's not at all what it used to. I mean, again, the word is transitory, and it was always transitory because demand would eventually have to normalize to prices. That's not inflation. That's the supply shock. What all of these manufacturers are now saying, and not just in chips, but all across the manufacturing sector, the global manufacturing sector, is that as the headline said, demand weakens rapidly. So as supply came back early part of this year, manufacturers and semiconductors in particular were only too happy to ramp up production as they could. 
except they were expecting one thing to happen, which was a robust demand environment as there had been in 2021, when something else has happened entirely. And this point was, was, was recently emphasized by another chip manufacturer earlier this month, AMD, reported lower, this is a quoting from their press release, Lower revenue driven by lower client, client processor unit shipments and average selling price, deflationary. In addition, the third quarter results are expected to include approximately 160 million of charges, primarily for inventory, pricing, and related reserves in the graphics and client business. And AMD's chairman said, the PC market weakened significantly in the quarter. While our product portfolio remains strong, yeah, right, macroeconomic conditions drove lower than expected PC demand and a significant inventory correction across the PC supply chain. Classic supply shock stuff. This was never inflation. This was a supply shock. And the supply shock is now headed deep into its downside, where we see another company on top of a list of all, uh, too many others, including shippers, who are saying that demand at toward the end of the quarter, or during the quarter, but mostly toward the end of the quarter, deteriorated rapidly. So while everybody was focused on last week's payroll report and how maybe it wasn't as bad as everybody, everybody had, had feared it might be, that's already old news. The Fed is hiking rates based on the unemployment rate, which is looking backwards at not the participation problem, but at least an economy coming down from somewhere. Whereas we look forward and all we hear nowadays is inventory, inventory, inventory. And ju not just in semiconductors, but as you see here in semiconductors, what is going to happen with prices? They're gonna to continue to fall. And they've already done so significantly in the semiconductor space. But why did so many companies end up holding so much inventory? Now, it, it kind of makes sense why semiconductor uh, manufacturers would want to ramp up production because as far as they were concerned, there was a, a giant chasm between supply and demand. However, they also got caught up in the same things that got basically everybody else in the manufacturing sector around the world, which was this stimulus fever. The idea that when the governments came in, especially in 2021, and tried to rescue or alleviate some of the problems from the 2020 recession, what they had actually done, at least what the governments claimed they had done, was stimulate the economy. It wasn't a one-time thing, they said. No, multipliers are greater than one, which means that once the government spends, that, spends gets re that spending gets recycled, recycled, recycled. Next thing you know, it's an accelerating recovery for as long as the eye can see. And companies bought in on this garbage. They said, let's look at the econometric models, which all presume subjectively that it is exactly what governments and economists say. That if the US government gives cash to people, then not only would that be awesome in 2021, it would be equally awesome if not, well, maybe not as good, but slightly as awesome, as close to as awesome in 2022, maybe into 2023. And we don't really have to worry about any kind of slowdown back toward normal to maybe 24 or 25 way down the road. So as far as manufacturing goes or retailers go, just make, make everything you possibly make because there's money to be made here. Give me all the stuff that's, that, that's 
humanly possible and I'm going to sell it because the, the econometric models all say 2022 will be almost as good as 2021, 2023 almost as good as 2022. And here's a perfect example of this today. Today, of course, is uh, October 11th. I never know what day it is. It's October 11th. It's a Tuesday. And the IMF just reported its third set of estimates for global GDP and various economies within it, or various individual nations within it. And nothing tells this inventory, transitory supply shock story, mistaken stimulus assumptions, quite like the IMF's econometric models. Everything was downgraded. No surprise here, because as, as all of these chip manufacturers are saying, demand weakened significantly. So for the, the, the IMF estimates for advanced economies, they thought in the second, in the last of their estimates for last year, so 2021, last summer, this time, a little bit, about this time last year, the IMF thought this year in 2022, advanced economy GDP would be four, would grow four and a half percent. And that uh, advanced economy GDP in 2023 might get to 2.17%. Now, after going through all the stuff that's happened this year, including the supply shock of all supply shocks with oil prices and energy prices skyrocketing uh, in March for much of the developed world, and then continuing to erode demand, the demand destruction, especially in Europe, as of now, the uh, IMF now thinks that in 2022, advanced economies will only get to 2.4%. So that's a decline of 2.1 points in just one year. Whereas next year, the IMF models now see uh, GDP in 2023 at 1.1%. So about half of what they were thinking a year ago. Substantial downgrades, especially recently. In the Euro era, uh, Euro area, Last year, they thought uh, GDP in 2022 would be 4.35%. Now they've actually upgraded their, their, their uh, GDP estimate for this year recently um, because of most of Europe, is, uh, earlier in the year in particular, most of Europe was still being uh, reopening from COVID pandemic restrictions and lockdowns. So they think that now they think that the 2022 GDP in Europe will only be around 3.1%, so not as substantial as a downgrade as they thought last time, but watch out for next year. Now the IMF is thinking that in the Euro area, Euro area, I don't know why I say era, Euro area, GDP might only be half a percent, which is down from nearly 2% last year. So again, another substantial downgrade. The United States, probably the most egregious example of what I'm talking about. Last year, the IMF said 2022, not quite as good as 2021, but it's going to be gangbusters. GDP, they had thought last year, GDP in 2022 would be 5.2% after a six something percent last year. So nearly as good. And you can understand why companies, this is IMF, these are econometric models. They all use the same econometric models anyway. Stimulus works. Stimulus works not just in the short run, but over the intermediate and long term. And here's the numbers to prove it. These are objective mathematical models, right? No, they're subjective. And the subjectivity has to, mostly has to do with what central banks and central governments end up doing. So they thought last year, 2022 GDP would be 5.2%. 
Of course, then we had that unexpected technical recession in between. Now they think maybe 1.6%. And I'm wondering how the hell we're going to get to 1.6% when the entire first half of the year was negative. So it's going to have to be a robust recovery in the second half of this year, which we know is probably not likely given all the things that we see happening around us, including deteriorating demand rapidly, rapidly deteriorating demand in many things. And so for next year, 2023, they thought, well, maybe 1.6%, we get the slowdown. Now the IMF is saying maybe 1%. So what was supposed to be a robust period of several years, then slowing down to normal, now looks like at best two years of little to no growth. And we know these estimates are, are going to be downgraded further because the IMF is looking backwards. Now for the whole world, the WEO estimates said last year, 2022, would be near 5%, 4.89. They thought uh, global GDP would grow at this year. Now they're saying 3.2. Next year, they thought 3.6% originally. Now that's down to 2.7%. Now 2.7% might not sound all that bad. It's 3.2% maybe doesn't sound all that bad. But the entire global GDP includes a lot of fast or what used to be fast growing economies in emerging markets as well as the developed world. And 2.7% is actually worse than what, had, what the global GDP had expanded by in 2019. In 2019, global GDP grew by about 2.8%. And you might remember 2019 for a global recession pre-COVID widespread rate cuts around the world, including the United States, as well as the restart of several QEs, not just in Europe, but also not QE in the, in the, uh, in, at the Federal Reserve. 2.7%. Um, Back in 2001, global GDP expanded by 2.4%. What happened in 2001? Global recession, rate cuts, the world's first QE in Japan. 2008, for example, the IMF models put GDP expansion in the year 2008 at 2.8%. So next year's 2.7% would be worse than 2008. And remember 2008? Worldwide recession, rate cuts, widespread QEs. There's a theme here. And remember, as I just said, these estimates are likely to be downgraded as conditions warrant. And everything that we see from anecdotes to sentiment to data says, in markets, let's not forget curves, conditions warrant. But the IMF knows this, as do central bankers around the world, as do markets. Markets are positioned for this oops moment. When central bankers who were hiking rates because of they believed in the semiconductor inflation story and stimulus overheated economy, are going to realize reality is very different from what they've been saying and what they've been doing, what they've been acting on. The justifications for the rate hikes have already eroded substantially. But the IMF says, no, wait a minute. Central banks around the world are now laser focused on restoring price stability as if they could. I think, you know, this is my, my overriding point here. The economy is restoring price stability as we speak, except that the way the economy restores price stability is through instability of things like recession and deflationary environments. But the IMF said, okay, there are risks of both under and over tightening. Well, the Fed doesn't actually tighten, nor do any central banks, but this is the IMF. They believe in central banking stuff, just like they believed 
that stimulus in 2021 was actually stimulus. So why are we taking the, these people's words? I don't know. Why do companies buy into this stuff time and time again? I don't know. Maybe it's because there is no alternative. But either way, this is, I mean, it makes you shake your head. The IMF, under tightening, under tightening, they're urging central bankers to stay the course. Under tightening would entrench further the inflation process, erode the credibility of central banks, and de-anchor inflation expectations. They actually believe this stuff. They actually believe that inflation is nothing more than psychology. And so the political theater that the Federal Reserve, ECB, and other central banks around the world have been engaging in, all the while the supply shock is taking care of itself and a recession develops across the, much of the world, these people are focused on oil prices that have nothing to do with economics. They have, um, they're focused on the politics and the optics of CPIs and how oil prices are going to affect those, all so that they can make sure that people don't believe inflation is becoming entrenched. It's absolutely insane. But that's what happens when you give someone like Ben Bernanke a Nobel Prize. It essentially sends the message that this is the way things work. And he, we're going to listen to these people like Ben Bernanke because that's what, that's, that's what we have. That's what economics is. And the fact that companies actually listen to this crap and continue to position their own businesses based on these worthless models tells you just how far gone these things are. That there really isn't much, for, much other way as far as alternative. I would think that common sense would apply in a lot of these situations, but what is common sense against stochastic regression models? Hmm. It's the state of economics along with Ben Bernanke. So as, as far as the U.S. economy, the global economy is concerned, the IMF is recognizing the fact that it was all wrong about how this year and next year would turn out, and it's now just in the process of correcting its numbers and it will likely, as I said, continue to correct them in the future as conditions warrant. And we know conditions are likely to warrant them. And if GDP does and the global economy does sputter, what will, the, what will happen then? QEs, rate cuts, all the same stuff that we've been saying all along. Markets are positioned simply for the moment that central bankers admit their error. error I said it again. As soon as central bankers admit their error, the market is going to buy bonds like crazy. You already saw that a little bit last month, at the end of last month, when the Bank of England did its guilt operation. Guilty Bank of England did its guilt operation. Bond market buying across the world because it won't be the last. Not because of broken bond markets, but because of broken economics. I'm Jeff. Thanks for watching. See you again next time.